Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Vita Sports. Mark Daniels with you. It's a busy uh, football Monday to recap everything. It was the weekend. My voice is off a little bit, a little excited with the end of the UCF game and flying back and forth, but we're here ready to go with a busy uh, show to tackle everything on uh, this uh, Monday. I uh, hope you had a nice weekend filled with football and whatever else you had uh, in store. And uh, glad you're with us for uh, our program today. Kyle Cassandra produces our program. He's over there to my left. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, how was your weekend? Anything uh, exciting we need to know about? Filled with fantastic football watching yeah. and uh, work. So very excited. All right. That's fine. So good. the yard, that's probably the... I didn't have an exciting weekend, but outside of just watching some great football week one, college and NFL. How long does it take NFL. to do your yard? About two hours. If oh. I have to do some of the other, uh, if I do, if I just have to mow an edge, about an hour. You like edging? <laughs> no, but I do it. When you're done, you kind of stand back and admire and go, "Yes, pretty good." Huh? No, I. My wife laughs at me. I sit in my chair, yeah. look at it in my yard for about fifteen minutes, drinking my you water. Feel like you've got the best yard on the street? Not right now, because they're they're we're converting to sewer. We had septic, and we're converting to sewer. So the left side of my yard is completely dug up in dirt. But <laughs> a year ago, I had the best year. And, uh, absolutely. Everybody's got that guy on the street that's just like, yep. Yeah, that's me. We're ranking top ten. We're going to win HOA yeah. Yard of the Month this year, or this month. So um, we're out in Boise, and uh, we flew out Friday afternoon. A little bit delayed, had that big storm that came through at the time that we're trying to get through security to take off. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we got delayed, uh, scheduled to fly out about two hours earlier than we typically do, ended up being about an hour later than planned, so uh, getting everybody through security as that rain was coming through. All right. Uh, five hours and about five minutes out to uh, Idaho, but... Um, you know, flight's fine. They got the TV, got entertainment options and everything. So, I mean, it, it, it's what it is. Pretty scenic. Going across, you know, the Rocky Mountains, making their way up to Idaho and everything. Uh, and so we land. Weather's <clears throat> weather's gorgeous. It's in the 80s. No mm-hmm. humidity. And uh, Yeah, uh, I was listening to the broadcast. You guys were talking about the radio. Sunny day on Friday. So, I... I've been quite open about what I've gone through medically the last week and a half at kidney stone surgery and had to go back in the hospital for a day last week. And I still got some things that were getting better, uh, but, but still working on some things. So I had to go get a prescription in Idaho. Um, 
And the prescriptions called Dan and I got to go find a Walgreens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, or this particular Walgreens where the prescription uh, is waiting. So typically when we arrive at a hotel, um, Gus likes to go put his stuff in the room. He'll either change or come down and does the interview with the TV crew. And then I'll do my pregame interview with him. Well, this is a little bit of a schedule thrown out because we were about an hour late. Uh, the FS1 crew, and I, I don't know, I guess some people were surprised when I mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, same crew that did the Kent State game were, was doing this game, and it was a remote uh, remote broadcast. That's on Fox explained why they chose to do that. And then that crew canceled their Zoom with Gus. Hmm. Whatever. It's not my schedule. So I got a window that I'm going to go try to get to the drugstore, then come back, interview Gus before he has his typical schedule at night. So I call an Uber. And uh, shows about a five-minute wait call, you know, on the app, right? Guy pulls up, opens the door, got like a little minivan, get inside, like, hey, how you doing? All right. He goes, man, yeah, you're my first uh, ride. I'm thinking, oh, your first ride tonight. No. Oh, I'm his first ever. He is just now starting as an Uber driver. Uh, he got out say, and opened the door for you? I'm going to say early 60s, may have dabbled in recreational drugs over the years. What not gave that, that away? Not that I'm judging anything, uh, but we're fine. We're fine, right? Get in. And... Uh, you know, typical conversation, you know, and everything. He says, where are you from and everything? And he's from Idaho, and he's moved around and everything. Okay. And uh, for, for whatever reason, I just want to make sure I know where we're going. Well, he pulls up at a light, and he, he he's in the left turn lane. And my my GPS says, Uh-oh. we need to be making a right. Oh, no. And I said, hey, is that the right way? Because I, I, I just happened to... to, to to do a, a GPS, and, and it, it says to go right. He goes, really? Well, maybe we should go right. And I'm like, wow. So he just cuts off the other three lanes to get back and turns right. And then literally says, well, just tell me where to turn. And I'm like, I don't think this is how it's supposed to work, but I want to get to where we're going, right? All right. Doesn't, so, doesn't he have the map on his dashboard there? This is his drive? first... Oh ride ever and he has no idea how to work the app so we get to the walgreens right and i said hey why don't you just wait i'm literally going in to pick up a prescription and then rather than me call another uber like you're here he can just click and so i go in kyle i'm out in like three minutes i i walk in my prescription's right there i pay and i come out and i go okay i'm gonna request a ride and then you and he's like i don't know how to do that Kyle, I'm holding his phone that has the driver Uber app, which is different than mine, the passenger. Right. And I'm claiming my own request. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. How do you do that? And I'm like, oh, my God. Did he not look at the instructions on how to become an Uber driver? So then I requested myself. Yeah. Okay. So we get in. And now I'm thinking we're pretty good on the way back. Until again. I'm looking at my phone. Estimated time to get back to the hotel was like uh, 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 7.12, local time, right? And we're like eight minutes to go, and all of a sudden he gets on the highway 
And you know how that app kind of reconfigure, re- rerouting. Now I'm like 17 minutes from the hotel. I go, are we supposed to get on the highway? And he goes, oh, I went north. We're supposed to go south. And I'm like, oh, my God. Gets off, turns around, and then we're driving back and everything. And, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pat, where do we, so I feel like I would know the area if he was driving around there and, you know. Yeah, I was his first ever Uber, Uber ride. So you gave him a rating of five. <laughs> Only because I'm obsessed with my rating. That's right. You want when he gave you a rating? And of... Look, if I give this guy a bad rating, uh, his first ride, yeah. this guy's never going to get another ride. Like if right. I give him a two, who, yeah. who's going to you know right? So I would never give him a five. No big deal. Guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he provided some good historical uh, notes on Idaho. Seemed to know a little bit about the oh. state and things like that. And, well, that's uh, entertaining. At I least, didn't know yeah. that Idaho's known for cherries as well, which he was explaining. It's not just potatoes. and Idaho's like known that. for cherries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? So, uh, you know, you know, it's in conversation. So uh, there you go. Um, it is, uh, uh, Boise's a nice town, pretty town. Um, the mountains are gorgeous. The weather was fantastic. We got up Saturday morning. They got a quick uh, 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 breakfast, and there were uh, three of us. It was uh, uh, 58, 60 degrees, no humidity. It's beautiful out. Not a cloud in the sky. The weather was great for the game itself. And um, picturesque, I mean, the setting from my broadcast booth, the mountains right behind the stadium, and uh, really, really nice. I, I don't see myself going back there if it's not for a sporting event, hmm. but I can say that I was there. So from that standpoint, fine. The people were great. Their fans. I mean, outside of you know typical fan banter, but as far as their hospitality, they were they were great. It was really cool. Uh, the blue turf is um, it's interesting. It's uh, I think for all the talk about blue on blue, I do think the game starting at five o'clock local. I, I I can see at night the blue on blue gets a little bit uh, distracting. But, and again, if you win the game, then the field's not an issue. If you lose the game, you try to find excuses. Uh, so it's cool. You were there. You saw it. Um, I, I'm not quite sure it's a, a distraction. They win a lot of football games because they've had a lot of good teams. Yeah. You know? Um, but uh, crowd was crowd was great. Uh, On TV, the blue on blue was tough. And I heard a lot of people say that. It was tough. And I could to see that. And, and, you know, I mean, I taped the game and went back and watched a, a, a good chunk of it. And I can see that. Of course, the first thing first thing my mom says, I couldn't find anything. What? I, I, I couldn't see that blue. And, and I was like, okay. So see, <laughs> even my mom complained uh, about it. But uh, anyway, um, so that was a trip to Boise. I'm going to talk about the game in just a little bit. Uh, let's see. What else uh, do we have? Um, oh, the sports week. And we get to all the NFL football come up in a, in a little bit. There there are rumors, nothing more than that, that Charter Disney may push something before tonight's kickoff. This is like the next stage of the showdown. Okay? It was college football Saturday, Alabama and Texas, now Monday Night Football, Jets and Bills, Aaron Rodgers. So there's some rumors in the industry that the two sides might be working closer to a deal. I I, I don't know anything other than what uh, some people have whispered um, about that. So uh, let's see what else. USA Basketball lost the bronze medal game to Canada. Congrats to Germany. Franz Wagner, his brother Mo, 
Uh, they won uh, that World Cup of Basketball, so good for them. Um, and, uh, oh, so yesterday we're, uh, we're flying back. We, uh, by design, stayed over. Mm-hmm. So we flew out yesterday morning, and again, we had the, the satellite TV on the, uh, on the plane. And, and this has been a pet peeve of mine, Kyle, for years. You and I just started working together. I can't watch NFL pregame shows anymore. It's 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 just as bad as cable news. Meaning, not like they hate fifty percent of the country, depending on what channel. It's uh, there's like thirty people on set. I don't even know who's what anymore. Uh, it's the same stuff, and 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 just because you're you're killing time, I'm watching, and it's just comical. CBS opens up with six people on the set. Fox had, I think, six people. ESPN between. The open and like the first three minutes, there's like eleven people, like two different desks. It's my head spinning. Yeah, yeah, it's been much. So anyway, all right. Um, Michael Lombardi, the longtime NFL executive and uh, now member of the media, has got a new book out uh, called "Football Done Right." We're going to talk to him not just about the book, but uh, Week One of the NFL. Get his thoughts. He set to join us about ten thirty-five of the program today. We'll get to the NFL Sunday yesterday. Uh, we're going to get to the busy weekend that was in college football. Uh, Florida State, Florida, when Miami gets uh, what I think is a great win for Miami. I'll explain that. Texas, Alabama, the impact of that. And, yes, the UCF game against Boise State, which I'm going to get to next with not just the game, but a little bit of the rant that I was doing with Mike on the bridge. That doesn't apply just to one fan base. It applies to every fan base, and we'll get to that next. The Beat of Sports, Mardano's, our program is brought to you by good friends of the Orlando Touchdown Club. Uh, meeting tonight and a quick change to the schedule um, for uh, tonight. A couple things about uh, uh, tonight's Touchdown Club meeting. Uh, Alec Hollow, the UCF tight end, is going to be there. And Colton Boomer, the UCF kicker, will be replacing John Rice Plumley uh, as UCF is evaluating JRP today because of uh, the injury that he suffered in the game on Saturday. Uh, so it'll be uh, Alec Collar and Colton Boomer who will be joining us tonight at the uh, Touchdown Club meeting, which, again, um, tonight you can go to orlandotdclub.com to get more uh, details, but um, that'll be our group uh, with us uh, tonight. Okay, so everybody updated on uh, that. Um, I do want to talk about Miami's win over Texas A&M and, and the other state schools and the rest of the weekend that was in college football, but just a little bit on the UCF-Boise State uh, football game. It was interesting leading up to the game and then getting out to Boise State. Look, if you're a Boise State fan, if you're an athletic administrator, if you're a coach, if you're a player, and the success of that program has had for 25 years, you have every right to be frustrated, angry, confident, jealous about not being part of all this conference realignment. Because performance on the field, if it mattered, Boise State would have been in a Power 5 league years ago. I mean, UCF's 2013 season is the Fiesta Bowl year, and it's been a pretty good decade. 
going back to 2013. Not that they didn't have success and won conference championships before that with George O'Leary, but Boise's run is a quarter century. And uh, the record at home, again, they lost 15 games in 23 seasons at home, 21 straight home openers, uh, you know, top 25 finishes. So that game took on a little bit of a different meaning to their fans and the media of, well, here's UCF that got a Big 12 invite. We believe, meaning Boise belongs in a Power 5 league. It's a, you know, it's a game to prove a point. So there was that underlying feeling among the media and fans leading into the game. And most of it all in good fun. And I don't think it was directed just at, at UCF. I think it was more Boise-like, you know, we should have been part of all this stuff. And, and, and then, okay, we didn't get the Big 12 invite. Maybe the Pac-12 whole thing is going to lead to a spot, and then that just blew up. And then there's the game itself. And, I, you know, I said to Mike earlier on the bridge, you can watch a game on television, and, 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 and you can get an understanding of what's going on. There's no question about it. Sometimes, though, if you're at a game in the stands, or in my case in a broadcast booth, You'll see some things differently. Just because you're your own production company. Your eyes choose what you want to watch and all sorts of things like that. And this ends up being a physical battle back and forth of who's going to make mistakes, who will capitalize off those mistakes, uh, and then... You're surviving a number of things along the way. And for UCF, everything that you can't have happen is happening. Turn the ball over, get a great drive. First play of the game, you hit Kobe Hudson 49 yards. Um, You drive a slant right to Kobe and off his hands, picked off of the three-yard line. If he doesn't score, then you probably still get a touchdown because you're first and goal at the three. Uh, The Javon Baker drop. I, not a hundred times. You can throw that ball to him a thousand times. I don't know if he drops one. But that one is a touchdown, perfectly executed play, throw by uh, JRP, and it comes off of Javon Baker's hands. And even then, the odds of the defensive back being right there to make the interception. Fourth and one, UCF goes for it. Someone misses a block, and you're stopped. Then on top of that, and Boise doubled it as well. Uh, arguably their best and certainly a 1 or 1A one running back, George Helani, doesn't play for them. Now Ashton Jenny's really good. He played at a big football game. Uh, but they're missing a key guy for them. Then for UCF, um, R.J. Harvey. R.J. Harvey got dinged up in the Kent State game. Okay, I'm telling you, that dude, quote, balled out. I mean, that dude got hit. Knocked down, shoved, push, punch, whatever, you name it. And that dude kept playing. And that dude came out a couple times. Johnny Richardson came in, and R.J. Harvey goes back in. And that dude made plays. Uh, Ricky Barber, defensive tackle for UCF, he gets hit. He he comes out of the game. He isn't playing as much. I mean, there are a lot of guys that got dinged up in that game. And it's one of those games that you're just trying to survive to give yourself a chance to win. Quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM, Orlando, WJRHD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, and the Beat of Sports. And 
you're down 10-9. And it's like, wow, two ways of looking at it. One, gosh, if we don't make these mistakes, UCF's up by two scores, but mistakes happen. Boise State's made a few plays, and it's 10-9. Fourth quarter. I think it's 123 straight home games. Boise has a lead going into the fourth quarter in a row. They've won. Now, it's a 10-9 game. It's not like they're up by three scores, but okay, that's the stat. And then a, a few big things happened for UCF. Taylor Green, the quarterback for uh, Boise, at first they tell us that he may have rolled an ankle. Andy Avalos, the coach, said he cramped up. Okay? Um, Maddox Matson comes in. Uh, Retro freshman quarterback and the environment, even though it's a home game for them, the, the, the flow of the game. UCF gets two big sacks. Trayvon Morris Brash and Malachi Lawrence, uh, two big sacks. Boise's then got a punt, then UCF takes over down 10 9 and puts together a great drive of running the football. Johnny Richardson, RJ Harvey, big third down and five, and Plumley hits Javon Baker for 16. The biggest one is third down and 14. After a holding call on third down and 14, Plumley hits Kobe Hudson 53 yards. They get it down, and R.J. Harvey on a direct snap. He runs it in for a score. Go for two. Uh, don't get it. It's 15-10. And Boise's marching down the field. Uh, and all of a sudden, Maddox Matt's in their backup quarterback. He begins to get a little bit of protection, makes a couple of passes. Uh, UCF gambles defensively and doesn't work. And Stefan Cobbs makes a catch, breaks a tackle. Boise scores. The place is going crazy. They go for two. They don't get it. 16-15. And they chewed up time on that clock. They got the ball with 7.55 to go. They score. There's 143 in the clock when UCF gets the football. And everything that's going on in this game, the turnovers, the injured players, and everything, and you're saying, okay, can you get in range for a kicker that's already hit three, including a school-tying 55-yarder? And I I said it earlier to Mike, and I thought this even during the broadcast. If they get close enough, he'll make it. But can they get in range? The crowd's involved. The place is loud. The way certain stadiums are built, noise can either exit or hover around a stadium. That place is loud. And Darren Hinshaw, the offensive coordinator with UCF, and Gus Malzahn involved as well, the old take what the defense gives you. Well, they drop into coverage, assuming UCF's going to throw the ball. You got three guys up on a line, and really became a 3-2-6 defense. UCF does one. Run the ball. You're going to give me 10 yards? I'll take 10 yards. So, as they start that drive, Plumley runs for 10. You're out to the 30. Incomplete pass. False start penalty. Second and 15. Alec Holler makes a big catch. Plumley's flushed out of the pocket. He hits Holler. Holler runs for the first down. Uh, he picks up 16. Then Kobe Hudson makes a really big catch for a gain of 11 to the 48. R.J. Harvey rushes for 11. Plumley rushes for 7. And Johnny Richardson a couple of times. The Plumley hit I'll get to in a moment. And then you're in range at the 22-yard line, and out comes Colton Boomer. They got a timeout. They burn the timeout. And he makes a field goal with ease. TV angle will show you, oh my goodness, it, it, it hooked by design. Now, I say by design. He, he understands on the right hatch what he's got to do with it. Ball goes through, UCF wins. And um, it's a hard place to win, man. 
it's a hard place to win. I'm not telling you Boise is going to be a top 10 team. I don't. They play at Memphis in two weeks. Um, I don't know who else could beat them. I think they're going to still be a really good football team. They may end up winning the Mountain West. Uh, so, so they may win their next 10 games. I don't know. But I think they're going to win a lot of games. And UCF wins. They hit on Plumley. Again, I, Mike asked, as it was explained that he's not giving himself up, he's trying to advance for yards, and therefore that's why they don't throw a flag or call targeting. The blow to the head, you can say, wow. You can still call personal foul. Um, it doesn't erase the hit and the fall and how he lands, even if they do throw a flag. And again, UCF last night, Darren Hinshaw, the offensive coordinator, UCF practiced a bit last night, and the coordinators uh, had a brief media session. Darren Hinshaw said that JRP is being evaluated, and Gus would uh, maybe say something today. Um, and that's where it's at. Um, is it targeting? I, you can watch 15 different plays, and I guess it's just difficult to understand, and it doesn't matter now. They won the game. The hit was the hit. Whatever injury came out of that, you can't erase it. The play was the play. So, and and if John Rice Plumley is going to be out, then Timmy McLean, former seminal quarterback, um, gets a chance now to, to 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 get out there and play. And I think Timmy brings a lot to the table. We'll have time to talk about that and and and, and what happens in that scenario. Um, the other thing that I was going to add. And like I said, this is a little bit of a mini rant, and I brought this up with Mike, and it applies to every single college football fan base in the country. Whatever the number is you want to pick. I used to think that, uh, you know, I, I used to think that it was it was 20-60-20 of every fan base. Meaning 20 just don't care, that they love their team, they'll go there, win or lose, it's a good time, you drink, you meet friends, you have fun, and so forth. are fans that are sane. They want to win. They're disappointed when their team loses. They get emotional in the moment. And yet, it doesn't ruin their life. And the 20%, and there's probably even factions within the 20%, I don't even understand you anymore. By the way, if you're not in this category, don't worry about it. I'm not picking on you. If you're in the category, you're going to argue anyway. So it, it, it doesn't matter. So the game ends... And, you know, I we're doing our post-game broadcast, everything, and then, you know, first thing I always do is make sure things are okay with my family, check my phone and so forth. And, yeah, I got a bunch of text messages, friends, and you know, literally like 67 text messages and so forth. Um, and then, I, natural, I'm not looking to engage, but, but I'll just scroll on social media, and, like, I, I, I don't get it. Oh, I thought this was supposed to be UCF fast, and they can't score, and they put up all these points, and inefficient, and, and, and you know, I don't know about Gus. and Like, can you just enjoy a win? Can you just enjoy the moment and go, you know what? That team doesn't lose at home very often. And that was a big game. And if you watch the game and the game within the game and the guys that are banged up and players that come in and players that come out and turnovers that take place and the team won, 
needed a drive with less than two minutes to go and marched down the field, and the kicker makes the kick. And if you're so miserable that you can't enjoy the moment, why do you engage in being a fan? It's not that you don't have the right to find a platform to moan about something, but it's if, if you watch the game, like I said, within the game, and understand about a guy gets banged up, he comes out, he's not 100%, that play call may be this, but something else happens, and you improvise, and you think you know what play was called, and it wasn't a play was called. And I say this acknowledging I have an, an advantage. Because after that game... I could talk to players and coaches as I did, and the fact that we stayed over gave me even more time to talk to people. And would you think this play should have gone that way? You don't have a clue. Or why that happened, or why this, or why coach made that decision. Can you just enjoy a win? Well, I don't know if he's good enough to take us to the next level. Probably have to get a new staff. Like, What are you doing? How, how do you go through a season like that? Where it, it, it's always complaining. There's always... Give me the next coach who's going to score 50 points and we're never going to lose for the next 10 years. And we're going to beat everybody by five touchdowns. Can't you enjoy a last-second win like that at a place that is really hard to win against a team that I think is going to win a lot of games, even though they're 0-2? And to realize that your team overcomes a lot of stuff in that game and won. But no, there's that portion of a fan base that loves the misery. And the guy that's got 32 followers or 500 followers that finds enough people that'll agree with them and complain about this and that, and you're just miserable. I told Mike to the same thing. I, you know, I, I, I didn't get to see any of the Florida game because I'm working, and I'm just going to see reaction of people in the media that cover the game, and then fans like, yeah, whatever. Look who we beat. It's like, I, can you just enjoy a win? Why Why does it have to be miserable? Why does every coach, every game have to be fired because of your unrealistic perception about your team? And again, you can choose whatever platform you go to scream and, and so forth. You can yell about me, whatever. You choose to buy your ticket, not buy your ticket, go to a game, not go to a game. I just, I, I, like I said, if you're not in that group, don't worry about it. If you are, I, I, I don't even want to know what you think about as a fan because I don't know how you go through seasons like that where you're never happy, where if the team doesn't win every single game, you're miserable, and not just win, but win by 30, 40 points. It's like I reminded somebody yesterday who, who's in this group. I said, please go back and take a look at 2017. UCF didn't win every game by 40 points that year. The ball bounced their way almost every game, and they survived some games. So, so this view of you win by 40 all the time, it, 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 man, it's hard to go through a season if, if that's where you're at. And again, that's not just that, that group of ones. Every school has them. Every single school has that group of fans that lives in a fantasy world where every game is supposed to be a dominant win. You know what every play is supposed to look like. You know what everything is being called. And if it doesn't go that way, then the coaches stink, the players stink, and you want the next person to come in. 
enjoy that world, man. I I don't want to live in that sports world that you're in. Because you have to be miserable. You just have to be miserable. They won the game. They won the game and overcame a lot of things in that game. Can you get better? Everybody wants to get better. But for a moment, just enjoy a win. We come back. Why Miami's win was so good for the Canes. Um, Alabama, Texas, which is a little bit about what uh, the rant I just went through, but uh, the other college football stuff uh, coming up next. Follow the game on Instagram at 96.9 The Game. Sponsored by the law offices of Anajar and Levine accident attorneys. Have you been in an accident? Call the law offices of Anajar and Levine at 1-800-747-FREE. That's 1-800-747-3733. The Beat of Sports, Mark Daniels on this uh, Monday. We're brought to you by good friends at Florida Citrus Sports. Enjoy Feast of the 50, one of the best networking events in all of Central Florida. You combine that with college football. If you go to FloridaCitrusSports.com, learn about the upcoming Feast of the 50, how you can be a part of it. It is an absolute must for both business and football fans to all come together for the annual event. And again, courtesy of our friends at Florida Citrus Sports. Um, There's an interesting link between Miami's win over Texas A&M and Alabama's loss to Texas. And I want you to follow me here for a second. So uh, Miami gets a nice win against Texas A&M. I, I, and I said to Mike early in the bridge, I think it's a great win for Miami from a psychological standpoint. Look, last year was a disaster on the field for Miami. And as I've uh, compared... Mario Cristobal and Billy Napier, both were hired because the last guy they didn't want. Both came in needing to rebuild a program and build it the way they think it needs to be built. And along the way, got rid of some players. Maybe at Miami it was a little bit more covered, more public about the roster turnover. Uh, A little bit of Fan discomfort. More at Florida because Cristobal's one of their own at Miami. So more criticism of Billy Napier because he's not a gator. With Cristobal, if you take a look at the roster turnover and the coaching staff turnover. Remember, they hired Miami. They thought they were getting Mario and this great staff. He blew up most of that staff after year one. But both coaches having to come in and likely take a step back before getting better. And last season, you can take a look at the records of both. But there's a difference of Florida and Miami at one particular position. And even though Graham Mertz has played well through two football games at Florida, Miami was hoping to get back the quarterback that finished in 2021, the last third of the season, as good as anybody in the country. But Tyler Van Dyke combination of inefficient play with a coordinator that he never clicked with and he wasn't healthy last year. But first, the Miami winner for Texas A&M. Van Dyke is fantastic. Big plays for the Canes. The kick return for a touchdown. And even though A&M 
puts up a lot of yards. They ran 83 plays to Miami's 54 plays. The Canes win 48-33. It's big because, one, it's a good win. I don't know how good Texas A&M is going to be. But at the time, for where Miami is, it's a good win. And as I said about why I think Florida State and Miami are going to end up having very good years uh, record-wise is the schedule makeup. What I say, the early season game, could Florida State beat LSU? If you do, big win, and then take a look at the schedule. For Miami, Texas A&M. Beat them, and then get some wins. Miami's got Bethune-Cookman Thursday at Temple, then off before Georgia Tech. The Canes will be 5-0 and when they travel to Chapel Hill. Well, Carolina looked good in Game 1, beating South Carolina, and needed double overtime to beat Appalachian State this past weekend. And Miami, those two weeks at North Carolina, then home against Clemson. Outside of that, the game at Tallahassee against Florida State. So the Kane schedule is already set up. It looks like, I, and again, you, anybody can beat anybody. They'll sleepwalk to eight wins. Their season will come down to you know, those few games. But it's a good win for Miami. Again, Van Dyke plays well, showcases some of their talent on offense. They made a couple big plays when they need two defensively in the second half, and they get the win. Everybody feels good. You're ranked again, and Miami's going to be part of that party now for the next month, just where the schedule is. And just by the nature of who's going to win and lose, by the time they get to that game one month from now, mid-October, the 14th, at North Carolina, they may be in the top 15 based on who loses. But here's the connection. Anybody remember back in the spring the story that was whispered out of Coral Gables about Tyler Van Dyke? Anybody remember what program was interested in Tyler Van Dyke coming to play for them? Anybody remember the Miami Collective? Not just the one guy who likes his name attached to everything about NIL Miami, but like the real dollars behind Mario Cristobal's contract and staff. How that group stepped forward to give Tyler Van Dyke the additional NIL deals, however it's crafted, and he chose to stay at Miami. What school was the one pursuing Tyler Van Dyke? It was Alabama. They were the ones that aggressively came after Tyler Van Dyke to get him to transfer there to play for them. And Miami's people stepped up. That's not a win. I mean, that, 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 I mean, Tyler Van Dyke's even acknowledged that they were looking to see if Miami could step up, and they did, and he chose to stay at Miami. I bring that up because Alabama, who loses to Texas, and Jalen Miller has taken a lot of heat today, He's not the only reason why they lost to Texas. But look at what Alabama's offseason was when it came to quarterbacks. Bryce Young goes on to the NFL. Alabama took a Notre Dame backup late in the portal process. Missed on a number of other guys, including Todd Van Dyke. And... Maybe left themselves not as strong at that position. Now, like I said earlier to Mike, same type of fan base, and and that one that that one's different because of the dynastic run. Okay, I, I that one's different. But 
Mike asked me earlier today on the bridge what I think Paul Feinbaum will say today about Nick Saban, and and you know is he going to say that the game's passed him by like he said about Dabo Sweeney? My guess is. He'll walk out there in the pier, but he won't go all the way. It'll be more about criticizing the quarterback play and kind of questioning Alabama right now about with Georgia's takeover uh, the last couple of years. And I watched, again, I was doing a game Saturday night. I watched Nick Saban's postgame. You can watch highlights. You can read people that you trust that know to break down games. And clearly a quarterback play, this is a different type of quarterback than the run that Alabama's had. He wasn't the only reason why they lost. Now they lost a football game to a team that might be pretty good in Texas that has a better quarterback right now. Doesn't mean the world's ending. Doesn't mean Nick Saban's still not a great coach. Doesn't mean they're about to drop back to be middle of the pack in the SEC or anything like that. They lost a game. Maybe they'll go 9-3. and Doesn't mean the old man's got to retire. And I say that jokingly about the old man. You lose a game sometimes. You lose. You play somebody really good. And you lose. Now, you can try to figure out why they lost, and you can say, well, got to get better. Defensive backs got beat, gave up too many explosive plays. Their offensive line, um, supposed to be so dominant, wasn't as dominant. I mean, those are all fine football things. But you go back and take a look. It's a 16-13 football game. Late third quarter, Alabama leads. Uh, Texas gets touchdown. Alabama First play interception, Texas scores, and suddenly they're up 27-16. Bama scores, makes it 27-24. Next drive, Texas gets no third downs. First and second downs only on the drive. They score. Go up 10. Bama punts, never gets the ball back. Texas runs the clock out in the final 7 minutes and 14 seconds. And Texas wins. It's a great win for Texas, a great win for Steve Sarkeesian. It's a great win for Quinn Ewers, who a couple of years ago was a punchline because of the mullet and transferring. And it's a great win for Texas. Texas back, I, it, whatever. Every season's independent of others. Uh, Texas had a great win against Alabama. Does it mean Alabama's middle of the pack? Maybe they're not the 10th best team in the country. Maybe Nick Saban was humbled, as he said in his postgame, about <clears throat> you can quit or you can figure out what to do and go to work. And there's a lot of football left for Alabama. But remember, they aggressively pursued Tyler Van Dyke in April and May before the portal closed. Maybe he and Tommy Reese knew we're not as strong and whiffed or missed because this was a massive quarterback market of all the guys that moved around. Now, I don't know why. Meaning, well, they could have offered more. I, I, I don't know why. But And Tyler Van Dyke wasn't the only guy they went after. I, but they did pursue him. You put him in that lineup? Yeah. And, and plays at the level that he's playing now? Like he did in 21? Yeah. They didn't get him. Up next, the NFL's week one, some of the highlights that stood out. It won't be the Giants. Um, and why I think the Dolphins have become must-watch TV. We'll do that next. Here comes the answer. 
Kyle, you a big fan of this song? Oh, I haven't heard it in a while. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's something I haven't heard since middle school. Uh, the Vita Sports, Mardano's on this Monday. Kyle Cassandra's our uh, producer. Glad you're with us. Uh, I just saw CNBC reporting that they believe a deal with Charter and Disney is close with a good chance they'll reach an agreement today. Uh, a number of people, including Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sports president who was on with us uh, what a week ago, thought that Monday Night Football would be a really big showdown moment. And uh, while there's not a deal cut, and your Disney ESPN channels are not back on if you're a Spectrum customer, the uh, reporting on CNBC is that the two sides are very close to making a deal happen. So, keep you updated should uh, we learn something. I've uh, got 20, 29 ESPN on right now, just in case it comes back. So, uh, maybe they'll reach a deal in time for Monday Night Football uh, tonight. And I, just a complete side note, okay? Like, my, if my family, like my sister... She has a different cable system. But Kyle, why do why do like I guess they call them friends that are in my phone? Why do you think either A, and I guess because you know we cover sports media uh on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. You're answering your own question. No, no, no. Listen, Saturday, right? We're at the stadium. You know, we get there like five hours before the game, right? And I start getting text messages of friends like, hey, how do I watch this game? Where where do I go online? Because I have an ESPN Plus account, but this isn't... I'm the Q&A guy for that? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. you're not doing anything. I got like five you're not messages on the air yet. Yeah. of friends like, wait a minute, but I have a Disney Plus ESPN Plus account, and I clicked on, and I couldn't get this. Do you know how to... Why are you texting me? What? 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 Why am I the cable guy now? Because yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I guess that was the case. Yeah. I, I'm I'm similar in my circles. My friends text me all the time. How do I get this? Yeah. Yeah. Like don't you don't you know where to find it. You know. You can sign up for Directv or Spectrum or Dish uh, Network yeah. or any one yeah. of these things that. Yeah. You know how to. You just don't want to. So. Week one of the NFL is fascinating, like it is in college football to a degree, because we overreact on one outcome. But I will say this, you go through an offseason, you go through a preseason, you build the storyline up, it's a new year, there's optimism, everybody feels great, and then you say to the Steelers and the Giants, explain that one. Right? Particularly when it's two te- look, the Steelers are thought to be a team that could very much win their division, or at least battle the Bengals who, by the way, asked him about that one, too, uh, yesterday. The Giants was nobody's pick to win the NFC. But you're thinking, okay, you made the playoffs last year, won a road playoff game, maybe they'll be somewhat similar in record, but you don't think the game's going to go the way it goes. And you say to yourself, how is it possible that you prepare an entire offseason and you go out and fall behind as much as you fall behind and lose a game the way that you lose uh, a game. Niners beat the Steelers 30-7. to I bring that up because it was one of the two games we had on the flight back. Uh, and then the Giants, and believe me, 
the block field goal, which the Cowboys returned for a touchdown, was not the reason why the Giants lost. If the Giants scored a touchdown in the opening drive, maybe the game's a little bit different, but the Cowboys are a better football team now. It was embarrassing for the Giants. Just as I think if you're a Steeler fan, even a Bengal fan, uh, it it's embarrassing to have a game go the way that it went. So I didn't get home yesterday until uh, really the last few minutes of all the 1 o'clock games because, again, by design, we didn't fly back until yesterday. So I saw all the late afternoon games and obviously stuck around as long as I could with the Giants and Cowboys before the vomit in my mouth came flying out. Um, the Dolphins are must-watch television to me on, on, on many levels. But I have defended Tua... I felt some of the criticism was just ridiculous. And I'm fascinated by the Mike McDaniel to a combination. And a second year, if he stays healthy in that system with the weapons that are around him, and really, nobody runs the ball anymore. I mean, there are a few teams that commit to it, but um, not not many teams have successful running games. But watching Tua throw with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and whoever else they want to put out there... Um, He's not going to throw for that every single week. But they're just fun. And Mike McDaniel, I think, is really good at drawing up plays to get Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, and occasionally another player, just get them in space where their speed, you're not going to win. And there's a few times, if you watched that Dolphin game yesterday, I don't care what you want to do on Tyree Kill. He, he, he's just too fast. And he can cut because he knows where he wants to go, and he's going to get open. Uh, but Tua, after the early pick in the third quarter, which if you're a Dolphin fan, like, oh, God, you can't do this in the road, although you should know, any game against the Chargers, you're always in the game. Okay, The Chargers will always guarantee you uh, that the game's going to come down to final possession, whether Phillip Rivers is their quarterback or Justin Herbert is their quarterback. Um, but after that early third quarter interception, I mean, Tua settles down, and the Dolphin offense moves the ball and grinds out a 30, I say grinds on the sense that it's a little bit of back and forth, but grinds out the win. And it's a really good road win. Miami's, after the, the um, after the, the, the interception, then the Dolphins forced a three and out, which was really big. I'm sorry, not three. Uh, they get the turnover. Short field score, touchdown. Chargers come back and score. Miami gets field goal, touchdown, and then um, end the game with a great rush after they've got the lead. Uh, just put the pressure on Justin Herbert and uh, get the big sack and uh, win the football game. It's a really good win for Miami, who has the tough schedule playing out in L.A. against the Chargers, then in New England next week, and they're a desperate football team after their loss to the Eagles yesterday. And um, I just think Miami's fun to watch. I think that offense with him at quarterback, and I mean, I root for my team, although they're testing my loyalty. Uh, but I root for Tua because, I, again, I think a lot of the criticism was unfair for him, and I think they're just fun to watch on offense. On the Bucks, and I said this to Mike, that's their offense. That's going to be uh, their offense. I mean, Baker Mayfield was fine yesterday. 
But that's Baker Mayfield. They're not going to stretch up and down the field. Mike Evans, despite whatever the issue with the contract, Mike Evans is going to play. He made some big catches yesterday. Um, They can't run. But their defense, despite whatever you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers, their defense made some big second-half stops. Uh, And a field goal kicker makes a long 57-yard field goal. It's a nice win for the Bucs. I'm not ready to change my view that I still don't think they're going to win a lot of football games this year, but it's a good win for them. You'd be more concerned if you're a Vikings fan uh, with a loss like that. And for Jacksonville, and Mike and I have discussed this before too, we're not, we're not four years removed. We're not even two years when you go by calendar of the Jags being the laughing stock of the National Football League. Of you know, with Trevor Lawrence, and uh, he doesn't have it, and, and everything that Urban was. And now, now you look and go, well, I mean, Trevor looks the part. He's mature. Doug Peterson knows what he's doing. Uh, and the Jags won a game they could have easily lost, and they trailed in the second half of that game. Had the bizarre play with the ball that nobody knew what was going on. And Trevor Lawrence wasn't great. He was good enough and efficient when he needed to be. Calvin Ridley... Yeah, I know. He didn't play at all last year, but if you take a look at what the Bucks, the Bucks, the Jags chose to do in making that deal to get him, he may end up being their number one wide receiver. Uh, so that's a nice win for Jacksonville in a game that and a younger, immature team loses. Which, by the way, young team in the Colts. Anthony Richardson is playing because that's now what you do with quarterbacks you take high in the first round. You don't redshirt him. You play, and you gain experience. And he was okay. He did some nice things yesterday. Um, He's not accurate. If you're a Colt fan, you hope that he gets better. But one of the things that's not going to help him is Jonathan Taylor's not there for the first month of the season. Because you're easy to defend. There's no run threat. He can be a run threat, but you want to limit that. If Jonathan Taylor is there and engaged, meaning he wants to be there, then defenses have to account for one of the better running backs of the game. Right now, they don't have to. Now, we're just going after a rookie quarterback. So, he's going to he's gonna learn on the fly. Uh, he's exciting, and for a team that doesn't have a lot of expectations, uh, he'll be fun to watch this year, Will uh, Anthony Richardson. I mean, elsewhere... Uh, yesterday, I think the way the Bengals looked offensively, and I do think a lot of that is Joe Burrow just not having a preseason. Um, whether the rain was a fact. I mean, Deshaun Watson wasn't very good either yesterday, and I think the rain was a little bit of a factor uh, in that game. Um, and Jordan Love. Showdown of Justin Fields and Jordan Love. One was a lot better than the other yesterday. Now, the Bears' defense didn't help, but Jordan Love made plays. And I would guess he's incredibly popular in that locker room, even before yesterday, that a lot of people have moved on to the Aaron Rodgers era that were fed up with it and all sorts of stuff, and uh, good for Jordan Love. And a nice win uh, for them. The other favorite part of all the highlights yesterday 
with Geno Smith screaming, oh, my God, as Aaron Donald is running towards him and picked up on the field mics. Huh? <laughs> I was all that. That was great. That was awesome. And tonight we get the Monday Night Football game of the Bills and the Jets and all the hype that comes with that. There's two games next Monday, by the way. By the way. But uh, Bills and Jets uh, tonight and again. Maybe the Charter Spectrum Disney battle will be settled before kickoff tonight. There appears to be a chance that that will get resolved, but not yet official. 11 o'clock hour includes a bridge playback, something Mike and I discussed earlier today, which you can always get the entire bridge on demand at 969thegame.com. By the way, stopped in Idaho by a couple of passionate UCF and bridge fans. Oh. Religiously listening to the bridge. And, like, if we don't post it, it's not good for their health. And I said, okay, I got it. We're good. It'll be there for you. Uh, we'll do a bridge playback at about 11.35. The news kicks off the 11 o'clock hour next. Love me some 38 special, man. So before we get the news at the top of the hour, Kyle, I, I told you on our flight uh, out and back, we had, uh, you know, satellite and... and entertainment monitors on the seats, right? So you can watch movies, TV shows, TV series, and you know things like that. Just for kicks sometimes, I will put up like, you know, the obscure movie where someone in like a different role is looking over and go, like, what are you watching? You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I started doing this because uh, I guess a couple years now, I was on a flight, I think I was going to do a basketball game, and somebody punched up the horror film It, and I'm thinking, uh, why? Who who on a plane is like cranking up something like that? So now sometimes I just go through the library to see what's the obscure film that somebody be like, oh my god, you know, look what he's watching, right? Yeah. Um. But then I put on music, right? Because they have you know different music files, so I put on, uh. The 80s uh, channel. And then someone goes to me, why were you listening to music? I'm like, why do you care what I was listening to? Yeah. Yeah. Why, I didn't look why? over what you were, uh, and, and why was I listening? Are you kidding me? I, I listen to music on a plane. Yeah. ABC's Look of Love was headlining that playlist all over that thing? <laughs> 11 o'clock hour, WYJM, Orlando, WJR, HD2, Coco Beach, Orlando, Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, the beat of sports. Let's get to the news. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. News is sponsored by Seminole Power Sports, number one in fast fun. Reinhard Road in Sanford, Highway 441 in use. is online at SeminolePowerSports.com. I spoke to Kirby Mullins on Friday. Oh. We were chatting, so hi to Kirby. What do you got in the news, Kyle? Uh, you know, I was going to ask you, what is on the Mark Daniels on the flight to game playlist? Uh, it shows the download. Uh, going out, I watched a few uh, uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I watched a few episodes of The Office, and I watched a, uh, a few good men oh. fast-forwarding to certain scenes. Oh, you skip through. You don't yeah. sit and watch the whole three hours. I watched some, epi- uh, uh, some portions of Dumb and Dumber yesterday on the flight back. <laughs> uh, and then I was watching the football game, and, oh, I watched uh, uh, one of the choices among... The movies and documentaries was uh, the Springsteen documentary of uh, the No Nukes 
uh, shows at Madison Square Garden in 1979. So Springsteen, wow. 44 years ago, performing at Madison Square Garden. As a Springsteen fan, it was incredible. So that's, I watched that. That's so. quite the selection. Yeah, thank you very much. Wow. Samsonite, I was way off. All right, uh, we've got a new top. Swanson, Swanson, Swanson. Samsonite. All right, we got a new AP Top Twenty Five poll. If you guess Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Texas, one, two, three, four. Congratulations, you are the winner. Georgia getting fifty-five percent of the vote. Michigan getting two votes. Florida State getting three, Texas getting two to round out the top ten. USC number five, Ohio State coming off their big win against Youngstown State number six, Penn State seven, Washington eight, Notre Dame nine, Alabama dropping to ten. So um, we want to know if Alabama would drop out of the top ten. No, they're going to stick right there on ten. Tennessee 11, Utah 12, Oregon 13, LSU 14. Uh, some other notables, Colorado 18, Duke 21, North Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry, North Carolina's 20, Duke 21. Miami 22. Uh, coming up, thoughts on Colorado's 2-0 start. It's ranking and the story that is being created, I'll explain coming up. But oh, uh, nice tease, yeah. I'm interested. By the way, Alabama travels to Tampa to take on the Bulls of South Florida, part of the two for one. So they will play uh, the Bulls, who beat Florida and M. Or if you're uh, if you're USF, after watching that Texas loss, you might have a you might thinking you might have a chance to lose by only thirty. Uh College football dominating, NFL dominating the headlines. We still have an MLB playoff race. The Rays get a sweep of the weekend series, still remain three games back of the Orioles and the AL East, but they sit comfortably in that first wild card spot with an eight and a half game lead in the AL wild card race. It's the only thing that's really interesting right now. Toronto in the second spot, one game up on Seattle. In the third spot, the Rangers on the outside looking in a half game back in that fourth spot. Oof, the Rangers, what a story. In Major League Baseball, over in the NL, wild card wild card race remains close. The Phillies are in the first spot with a four game lead. The second spot belongs to the Cubs, two games up on the Diamondbacks in the third spot. Marlins on the outside looking in, just a half game behind Arizona, so it's basically a virtual tie. Uh, San Francisco, Cincinnati are tied a game and a half behind the Marlins. A lot of scoreboard watching going into the final couple of weeks uh, of the season. Kyle, the biggest story was the Yankees being. Hitless for ten and a third. Yeah, I'll, and winning. I was going to put that in there. Hitless then. for ten and a, a third. third. Yeah, and won the game, and then found out that their top prospect called up is probably headed to Tommy John surgery. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of um, because well, you were doing the game on the radio, you didn't get to watch the Fox Sports one. There was a ton of promos for the Yankees and the Red Sox game uh-huh. Thursday on Fox. But the buried in the headline, oh, there's a B game, the Rays and Seattle. And I'm sitting there going, the Seattle Rays game has so much more implications than uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox. Of course it does. And so, but I'm wondering what game will the because will we get here? Uh, well, I I will get the I Rays. Think we'll I get believe. the Rays here. But if but, uh, uh, but the Yankees Red Sox are going to yeah. draw because I mean the Yankees Red Sox uh, draw. Yeah. That's interestingly enough. Yeah. Um, New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft announcing he's waiving the standard four-year waiting period for the team Hall of Famers, including, or I'm sorry, to induct Tom Brady. 
who was in attendance to be honored at Sunday's season opening game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Kraft said in a special ceremony that will take place Wednesday, June 12, 2024, inside, inside Gillette Stadium, the first of its kind for the franchise. The date has been a notable significance, 6-12, reflecting the number of Super Bowls that Brady won as a Patriot and his jersey number. Okay, I am not, uh, I, I, I have fanboyed over Tom Brady for a long time. I'm not a Patriot fan. I found that yesterday just off. Meaning, I know what you're doing, and it's Tom Brady, but it almost felt like, hey, it's the first game of the year, and I don't know how good we're going to be, and why don't we get Tom in? I, I don't know. It just... Yeah, you're admitting defeat before you're going no, But, but I don't even know that. I mean, part of me just feels like if it was later in the season. Yeah, I'm with you on this. It's yeah. like so soon to bring the Brady thing back. And Week 12, I, that's where I, this I goes. Know, it just felt really, I don't know. It, it Maybe seemed, for Patriot fans, it was fantastic. Yeah, but, but it seems distracting. You know, it's the first game. You come out. It's I guess it's the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a good game. It was a close game. And yet you've distracted it by the Tom Brady thing. It's like, let the, yeah. let some games get played. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed a little bit interesting. Uh, the U.S. Open concluded over the weekend. Coco Goff on Saturday won her first major title at the U.S. Open with a 2-6-6-3-6-2 victory over Sabalenka in front of an adoring crowd under the roof on a stormy day at Arthur Ashe Stadium. After the match, so my daughter, who used yep. to work at the USTA mm-hmm. here in Lake Nona, sure. Coco trained a mm-hmm. lot. I wouldn't say she got to know her, but this goes back... Coco's 19, so this would have been maybe four years ago when she's 15. And, um, I mean, my daughter was around the office and, and, and in some of the facilities. But back then said, you know, how great she probably is going to be and said, like, the nicest young girl. My daughter's older and like, yeah. wow, it's like that. She's just, like, so nice, so happy, and you know, and everything. So um, easy to root for her. Great story. Yeah. Oh, um, record crowd. This was the largest attended U.S. Open. Both the men and women drew north of 28,000 at Arthur Ashe Stadium for the final on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, the star-studded crowd. Kevin Durant, Diane Keaton, Nicole Kidman, Spike Lee, Mindy Kaling, Maria Sharapova. Um, long list of... Uh, little Wayne. Little, little Wayne was there. Um, Jimmy Butler was Jimmy there Butler, almost every say, day. Yeah, big tennis fan, there. apparently. It Jimmy was... Uh, yeah. yeah, the U.S. Open is a big Big, big PR event, and a lot of yeah. people go to be seen, and it was a record crowd this year for uh, Coco Golf after getting the W. Honestly, thank you to the people who didn't believe in me. Um, I mean, like a month ago, I won a 500 title, and people said I would stop at that. Uh, two weeks ago, I won a 1,000 title, and people were saying that was the biggest it was going to get. Um, so three, like, three weeks later, I'm here with this trophy right now. Um, so, the, you know, I've tried my best to carry this with grace, and I've been doing my best. So, honestly, to those who thought we're who, those who thought who were putting water on my fire, you're really adding gas to it. And now I'm really burning so bright right now. And over in the All Sunday, right. the I, what? Uh, I like the Coco Golf Sorry, I just told you that I like her. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. That there were as many people rooting against her yeah, as she's leading I, to believe there. I'm not quite sure I go that far. I saw that hate. It's like, listen, get off Twitter. 
because I don't think people were trashing yeah. her yeah. as much as uh, right. you look at ESPN's coverage leading into it. Out of coming out of the French Open, they were they were all positive of her. Yeah. So I, I don't know what she's looking at there, but uh, good catch. And Djokovic defeated Mandeval, um, Medvedev on Sunday. Uh, do you have the um, Geno Smith clip? I do. So uh, that I mean, this went viral quickly. Uh, Geno Smith, the Seahawks are playing the Rams. Rams played well. Uh, Won the game, and here's Geno Smith as Aaron Donald is coming towards him, picked up by field mics. On third down, Smith, pressure comes late, and it's incomplete. That pressure coming from Aaron Donald. Listen again, and hear Geno Smith scream, oh my God. Smith, pressure comes late. How about that? Smith, pressure comes late. Smith, pressure comes late. It's going fast, man. I didn't see or read anything. Like, if you're Geno Smith, you can say, no, I was expecting a different route by the receiver. That's what I was talking about, except the clip just has Aaron Donald charging towards him with that response. And it just, uh, there you go, man. Just kind of happens. Yeah. Uh, That's the news. By the way, uh, Gus Malzahn is scheduled for his weekly uh, press conference at 11.30 uh, where he's expected to update or uh, maybe provide an update on the injury uh, to John Rice Plumley. Um, we'll either update you when he says it or perhaps even carry it uh, at 11.30 if it's on time. Gus is pretty on time for these things, so maybe we'll uh, uh, give a sneak peek into that in about 20 minutes uh, here on the program. Back with more of the beat of sports and a little bit more college football next. The Beat of Sports, Mar Daniels. Uh, tonight, the Orlando Touchdown Club, as uh, another meeting will tonight be joined by Alec Holler, the uh, tight end for UCF. John Rice Plumley was scheduled to be there with the injury that he suffered in the game on Saturday. Obviously, they're focusing on, on, on that. But Colton Boomer, the UCF kicker, is going to uh, be there tonight. I'm going to help out with the guys, and uh, we'll have that. Uh, tonight, part of the Orlando Touchdown Club. For information, please log on to orlandotdclub.com. That's orlandotdclub.com. Uh, Tonight's meeting, by the way, is going to be at uh, Mead Gardens. Um, not the tap room at Dubstred, but at Mead Gardens tonight, we'll be there for uh, the Touchdown Club uh, meeting. So go to orlandotdclub.com to get more information on tonight and the rest of the season with our speakers uh, and the Orlando Touchdown Club. So, one of the biggest stories in college football has been Colorado and Deion Sanders. And I said last week, as, as the season began and Colorado gets the attention with their win against TCU and some people were rubbed the wrong way about Deion Sanders already. And I said last week, look, I I believe Deion Sanders is Deion Sanders the personality, the marketer, the coach, the father, the showman, whatever it is, 
And none of that stuff bothers me because, as I said last week, Dion is not trying to win you over. He already knows that you're going to watch. Even the critics who say, oh, I'm so sick of everything about Deion Sanders, you're still watching. He is trying to convince 16-year-olds who were deciding about where to go play college football to go to Colorado. The 18-year-old that is a freshman who thinks about transferring. The 21-year-old that is a three-year starter about transferring. That's who he's targeting. The media machine's going to follow. Again, Dion has not one. Dion has two content teams that follow him. One, it's him. He has his own content team. The other is for the football team. And he wants it that way. Then they beat Nebraska this past week. The attention leading into the game... Uh, Nebraska's now 0-2, but there used to be a nice rivalry there. And, and, and what happened? The media picked up on exactly what Dion wanted. Dion made a comment a couple days before the game that Matt Rule may have said something to kind of disrespect Colorado, although Nebraska fans will say, I don't know what he said to disrespect them. Shadur Sanders, Deion's son, the quarterback, sees Nebraska players arrive at the stadium, huddle around the logo. He goes out there because he doesn't want any of that. After the game, he says it's personal. Now, you got to win, but that's all part of it, man. That's all part of it. And if it bothers you, then, again, you're not the target audience. You know, Dion having a clip posted... In uh, the SUV that Trudeau is driving uh, with the content of, hey, dad, son, son played a great game. He's going to go enjoy himself. Dad's going to go back home, go to the office. That's not accident. That's Dion knowing what he's doing. That's Dion marketing 24-7-365. Yeah, but it's not all about him. Well, that's on you. <laughs> It is about him to him as the entry of him promoting Colorado. Now, this week, not one, but both college football pregame shows of game day and the Fox Big Noon kickoff. Where are they going? They're going to Colorado, Colorado State. And for a third consecutive week, that's where Fox is going to be on a pregame. Why? Because it sells. The Dion story sells. And he knows what this week is. It is another chance to market the program. Now I got both shows coming here. And I am sure that there was a time yesterday and or today that Deion Sanders and his content people and others in the athletic department have said, what are we going to tell them to do this week? How do we want this covered? Now, the schedule the schedule for Colorado is going to get a bit tougher. They'll blow out Colorado State, then at Oregon. They get USC at home after that. So we'll get an interesting look next couple of weeks. Here's the other thing about Colorado's football story. There are many people in the college football media, and by the way, there's nothing being wrong. 
But there are many people in the college football media that have quickly now put the, well, they've got so much speed, they've got this talent, that talent. These are the same people that three weeks ago said Colorado Colorado would be lucky to win three or four games. So who was right? Was Dion right? Or were those that said, look, it's nice, he's brought the flash there, but the reality is, you know, they're going to get trucked this season because you can't turn a roster over like that, and they're not deep. In the, and now, now all of a sudden they got great speed. Now all of a sudden um, the transfers are really good. Very few media people, football media people, predicted Colorado to be a top 25 team at any point this season. In two games, and I'm not knocking who they played, but in two games, beating a TCU team very different than the team that went to the national championship last year that really, you should say, won that semifinal game. Um, and a Nebraska team that has a lot of rebuilding to do. But Colorado beat them. And they beat Nebraska handily. Now, all of a sudden, some of the same people that said, hey, they're lacking talent. And by the way, I, I'm not in the group that thinks Colorado is about to win 10 games this year. I do think this schedule presents some challenges for them. I do think there are some depth challenges. Um, I still think they may end up being, now I think you have to say a 6-7 win team. Some might think now it's 9 or 10, but it's funny how that narrative has changed from where it was of, hey, they might win a couple games. He's done that in two games. He's changed that perception, and he has the college football meeting in the palm of his hand. And as big as it's been the first two weeks, he gets both shows on site this week? Which, by the way, it's a 10 o'clock Eastern start. He gets both shows doing pregame on site, and still the hype the rest of the day leading up to their kickoff at 10 o'clock. Scoreboard. <laughs> I mean, he wins in a sport about marketing. And, again, you may not like it. He's not recruiting you. But he has made some programs pay attention about the content and about how you push that stuff out. And he's good at it. As long as you win. There's no shortage of people that will root against him. But he's won more than just two games in these first two weeks of the season. He's won on so many levels of the attention, the recruiting, and all that stuff. Uh, and let me just say, if they go to if they go to Alton Stadium and beat Oregon, uh, not this week but next week, my goodness. Then USC goes to Boulder for the following week and uh, off the chart, Dion and then some. Uh, a bridge playback, and we'll pay close attention to uh, Gus Malzahn's scheduled press conference coming up a little bit where maybe an update on John Rice Plumley's injury situation all coming up on the Beat of Sports. All right, Gus Malzahn's press conference underwood. Let's uh, take a listen right now. 
with all the pressure on, the way our team responded like champions, that'll help us in the future. So I was real proud of our team uh, with that to get the victory on the road. That'll help us, uh, you know, moving forward. Uh, update on John Rice. Um, you know, he had an injury late uh, in that game, took a, pr a pretty good hit. Uh, he's going to be out this week, and he'll be out for, uh, you know, a few weeks. Uh, the good thing is he doesn't need surgery. He will, will be back. I'll keep you updated as you go. But we're going to go with Timmy McLean this week. Timmy's a guy that, uh, you know, we think very highly of. Uh, he's had a really good fall camp uh, in practice on Tuesday and Wednesdays. He's got really equal reps almost to John Rice. So he's ready to go. We have a lot of confidence in him, a guy that had has played and started football games, you know, as a true freshman. So really feel good about Timmy taking over uh, for that. Dylan Risk will be our number two guy. I'm really excited for him, too. He had a very good fall camp, too. And like I told our team, I mean, JRP is one of the better quarterbacks in all of college football. So when you lose somebody like that, everybody else has got to raise their level. And that, that's, that's our challenge. Uh, for that. I'm confident we'll do that. And um, as far as Villanova goes, uh, you know, they got a got a really uh, a coach that is a, a really good coach, really good coaching staff, um, had great success in the past. Uh, you look at their defense right now, I think they're giving up 55 yards a game rushing. Uh, their quarterback is throwing the ball extremely high level right now. So, you know, we'll need to play good football, but uh, we're happy to be back home. Um, you know, this week is really going to be about us. There was quite a few mistakes we made from a big picture standpoint that we're focused on. We saw, we watched the film with our players last night, and there's a lot of things that we've got to improve on uh, before we get to, you know, our conference uh, season. So this will be a big game for that. Questions? So, Coach, anytime you see a leg maybe going a direction it doesn't, there's always the fear it's a serious season-ending type injury. Yeah. So, when the doctors about him, there is hope that he can return. Oh for yeah, this yeah, season? we're we're confident he will return. Now, I mean, yeah. until we found out, it was like thinking like we just knew that you know he couldn't couldn't walk real good, you know. So that was really a, a good positive for that, and we're confident he will return. Uh, like I said, no surgery needed. Anytime that happens, you know, that's really good. Now, obviously, he's not going to play this week. He'll probably be out a couple weeks. And what I'll do, I'll just keep you updated week to week as it goes. And But, uh, but you know, I'd say right now we're confident that he'll be back, and we'll, we'll see when. You guys want to clarify, is it a knee injury or, or Yeah, it, it's, it's a leg. I don't want to get in specific on, on business, but, I mean, it's a, it's a leg injury. I think everybody saw that. Coach, you also had to Jordan Mass go out for early yeah. in the game. Mm -hmm. What's his status? How's he doing? Yeah, you know he's a tough guy. He, he's uh, he wanted to come back in, and we chose to to hold him out. Uh, confident he'll be back. Um, you know, in a short period of time, we'll see. You know, as far as what that means after he practices this week, but you know he's really uh, a real strong player. I think everybody knows that, and um, but we think we'll have him back in a short period of time, possibly this week. Coach, there was a questionable non-targeting call towards the end of the game on JRP. Um, what did the staff do to evaluate him? Because he went back in the game right afterwards. He looked a little shook up. Yeah, I mean, he wanted to finish the game, so that's how we did it, you know. Coach Inshaw has talked a lot about Timmy's improvement over the last few months. Where yeah. have you seen Timmy improve the most in that Yeah, spot? I think, you know, just overall uh, understanding of the offense with the little things. Um, like, see, he's performed very well in practice. And, uh, you know, even the game reps he got in the fourth quarter of the first game, he performed at a high level. So, and, and I think, you know, he started 
his fresh, true freshman year at another school, and he has that experience too. So uh, it won't be a shock to his system, and I'm confident he'll play at a high level. You touched on it briefly, but just what does it say about the resiliency of this group to take so many gut punches in that Boise State game and, and still find a way to win in a tough place? Yeah, place? I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that happened during that game that you go, wow, you know, and we think we have a touchdown, and all of a sudden it's an interception, and, you know, but our, our players never flinched on the sideline. They kept believing. They kept picking each other up. That's a sign of a really good team, and I was real proud of our team doing that. I was real proud of our staff. Uh, it's hard to do what we did. I mean, we, we didn't play our best. Give them credit. They had a lot to do with why I didn't play our best. But to be able to do that and win that way uh, when the pressure was at the highest and, you know, the defense did a great job, you know, during the game. And, of course, they had the drive down there and they scored. They had all the momentum. The place was going bananas and they're flashing lights and playing music. And our guys found a way to go down and kick the field goal last play of the game. So that's hard to do. And, and uh we worked really hard on end of the game scenarios. I've been saying like, like a broken record, but until you actually do it against another team, that's when you say, okay, we got that. My experience is that once you have that, you don't lose it. And our guys will be very confident in end of game scenarios. And I think that's very important moving forward. I mean, there's never a good time to have a starting quarterback go out with injury, but you win the game and you can start a full week of practice knowing that team is going to be the starter this week. You've got a couple more weeks until the Big 12. So is it, is it good to have this week to kind of know where you're at to, to get him these important first team yeah, reps? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not a conference game, so that you could look at it that way, uh, that he can get his feet wet and, and be in charge of the offense. And if there is any growing pains, you know, we we could have it at home, but we'll we'll see. Um, like I said, JRP, it's real unfortunate. The guy played one of his better games. He's playing at such a high level and. I believe he's one of the best, you know, football players in the country, not just quarterback. So, you know, that's a that's a loss. But the good thing is a great opportunity for Timmy. And uh, like I said earlier, we're confident that that he'll play well. He's confident he'll play well too. You just mentioned about John Rice. Darren said last night he thought maybe that was one of his best all-around games oh, since yeah. he's been at UCF. What did you see when you evaluate everything on yeah. film? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought he played phenomenal. I mean, you know, with the game on the line, he made some of his best plays and. You know, he was very efficient and, you know, made some things when things broke down and then made some really, really good throws. From week one to week two is when you said good teams make the most improvements. Yeah. What can you say about your team's execution last week? Yeah, we, we I think we improved. Uh, there were some areas that we didn't improve on, but for the most we did. Uh, our guys played hard. They played their guts out. And, uh, you know, the great thing is we have a lot of areas to improve on still. Um, so, yeah, we did improve from week one to week two. Uh, you know, our week one opponent, they played pretty good, you know, week two. So that a lot of times you don't know exactly until the season really gets going about how quality of a win a certain uh, game was. But um, we got a lot of areas to improve on. Our players understand that. They're ready to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're in a good spot, you know, as far as that goes. You have a really good security blanket in Colton Boomer. I think he's missed one in his entire career, and it was a 63-yarder. What's it like to have him so consistent? Yeah, you know, that 63-yarder, it wasn't even supposed to be snapped. So you can take that out. I think he's 100% uh, since he's been in college football. He is 100%. So, you know, he's one of the better kickers in the country. I think he's one of the bigger weapons in the country. Um, 
you know, he's doing a good job with his kickoffs too. So that's a that's a huge weapon. Gus, you know John Rice has always been positive, upbeat type of guy. Never seems to have a bad day. What's his mentality when that when he was told that he was going to miss maybe a few or three or four weeks? What what was going well, through his head? I think more than anything, you know, uh, he was real pleased that he's going to be back. You know, anytime you have an injury and there's no surgery, I mean, I think that's a blessing. And so he was very excited with that. And I think all of us were, and our team was too. Um, you know, he's not just a leader, but, you know, he's really probably the team leader and he's the heartbeat. And, um, you know, so he'll, he'll still be there when he can't play. He will be there helping lead. We'll find out here next this week. But with Timmy McLean, tell us more about him. What kind of quarterback he is? How does he differ from John Rice when he's yeah, out there? Well, he can make things when things he can make plays when things break down. But he's really good within the system. Um, he throws a really good deep ball. I mean, he can push the ball down the field. The ball comes out. He has a high release for receivers to see. Um, like I said, and he has experience. I mean, that's the thing that that I'm excited about. I mean, he's been there and done that. He's felt what it feels like to be a starting quarterback. It felt like what it feels like to be on the road. And if, if you remember, you know, we played him right out here and we went down to the very end. He made a lot of plays when things broke down to get him down to that very last deal. So, you know, we're, we're in good hands with him. We recruited him for this moment. Um, he's got a good understanding of the, you know, of our system and what to do. And I'm excited to watch him play. I know Coach Williams yesterday was a little bit upset with how defense closed on that last possession, but overall, what are you seeing from the defense? I think six points the first game, 15 this, this 15, Yeah, 16, our, our defensive line is playing at a high, high level. I mean, they're they're controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, they got us on a couple uh, runs. Uh, you know, we had a blitz, and they gapped us out, and they cut it back. They, we didn't set the edge a couple times. Um, uh, but our defense line is playing a high level. Uh, you know, our defense, I mean, to hold the first opponent to six, and what was it, 15? I mean, they're off to a really good start. There's a lot of areas that they can improve on. They know that we will get better. But uh, I think our defense is off to a really good start. Uh, that's uh, UCFI football coach Gus Malzahn. The, the, the biggest news is uh, Gus saying that uh, John Rice Plumley that the uh, leg injury suffered in the game against Boise State, he'll be out, but uh, announcing that there will be no surgery, uh, did not put a time frame on how long he'll be out, anticipates that he will come back. Uh, Timmy McLean will be the starting quarterback for UCF moving forward for the game against Villanova this week. Gus did say he anticipates John Rice being out for a few weeks. Wouldn't, again, not give any uh, range of weeks, but did say that um, they do not expect surgery or uh, no, no surgery is expected. Uh, and, and that is a good sign because if you're going under surgery, you're likely finding yourself with an extended period of time being out. So, again, John Rice Plumley with a leg injury will be out uh, for the next several weeks, according to Gus Malzahn, but no surgery is expected. And Timmy McLean starts at quarterback for UCF against Villanova. So that's the update from Gus at his press conference. We'll take a timeout, catch up on some things we missed at the break, but we wanted to make sure we got to you this update. Also, one other bit of breaking news, the Spectrum Charter Disney battle has been resolved. The two sides have agreed. When you get your channels back, it may take a few hours, but they have reached an agreement uh, to get the channels back on. Uh, when that happens today, I don't know, but the two sides have reached an agreement. We'll come back with more of the Beat of Sports after a timeout.
The Beat of Sports, uh, Mark Daniels. Uh, again, if you just uh, join us and miss Gus on announcing at the bottom of the hour that uh, John Rice Plumley did suffer leg injury uh, in the game against Boise State. No surgery. Uh, be out a few weeks. Didn't put a time frame of saying two, four weeks, whatever. Timmy McLean, former Sanford Seminole quarterback, uh, is going to be the starter this week against Villanova. Dylan Risk, a true freshman, will be the backup uh, for UCF. Um, but Gus said that uh, there is no surgery plan, and that's a good sign. And John Rice Plumley minutes ago, sending out uh, a tweet uh, that said he'll be back, blessed. And um, so, if you're a UCF fan, that's good news. Uh, now, Timmy McLean, who has started nine football games at South Florida a couple of years ago, transferred to UCF, uh, has a number of former high school teammates on the UCF team. Uh, gets a chance to play. Timmy's an exciting guy, and if you're a UCF fan, you know a couple of years ago he almost single-handedly beat UCF, uh, almost getting into the end zone uh, to what would have given South Florida a win over UCF in Gus's first year. So uh, that's the quarterback news at UCF. The other bit of breaking news, the deal is struck. Uh, Charter, Spectrum, and Disney have reached an agreement. Some of the details of that agreement coming out, but if you're a Monday night football fan hoping to watch the Jets and Bills tonight, you'll get your channels back. Exactly when they'll flip that switch, uh, my guess is the next couple of hours, there's a whole bunch of details about what the agreement is that's just coming out. Uh, but they have reached a deal, and you'll get your channels back. And then if you want, you can learn about uh, how this impacts you beyond just getting your ESPN and other Disney channels back tonight. So that's uh, coming up. All right, uh, come back. We'll put a wrap on our Monday show. Tell you about tomorrow's program next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. A little busy Monday. We're recapping the football weekend. And uh, last uh, about 30 minutes, uh, things have uh, kind of been final over the place. Again, uh, Gus Malzahn announcing that uh, John Rice Plumley did suffer leg injury. Surgery will not be required. And uh, it's going to be out for, as Gus said, a couple of weeks and kind of reevaluate. Timmy McLean starts a quarterback for UCF Saturday in their game against Villanova. And uh, the Charter Disney uh, dispute is over. And we have our channels back up here. So looked over, and there you go. There's ESPN right there. ESPN is here. So in time for a Monday Night Football game tonight with the Bills and the Jets, there's a big joint release of both Charter and Disney, and everyone talking about some of the new and cool things. And, and there are some things that will be available to you as a customer of uh, Spectrum uh, from this deal, and I'll let you learn about that. I'm not going to read through those things, but this is more than just, hey, give us more money for ESPN. Okay, here's more money, and then they flip it back on. This is a little bit of a plan for the future. And um, so they've reached a deal. If you're a football fan, you just want to know if you were going home tonight, can you put on the TV and see the Jets and Bills? You will be able to watch the Jets and Bills uh, tonight. Uh, reminder again about the Orlando Touchdown Club. Mead Garden is where we're going to be tonight, not at the tap room at Dubstread. We're going to be at uh, the Mead Garden location at Winter Park. Just a location change for this meeting. And uh, tonight, Alec Hollow, the UCF tight end, and Colton Boomer, the kicker for UCF, will be the guest speakers. I'll help uh, with the event tonight. John Rice Plumbing was scheduled with an injury. He's not going to be there, and rest is uh, the priority right now. But uh, the UCF kicker hit the game winner against Boise State at the four field goals, and Alec Cotter will be there tonight 
Uh, go to OrlandoTDClub.com for more information about tonight's meeting and the rest of the year on how you can uh, become a member. So it was a busy last half hour. Lots yes, of it stuff was. Going around Lots there. of good stuff. Yeah. And uh, news over here. you've got your channels back. So for those that were... Now, if you're among those that decided to change and go a different direction, well, then there you go. You chose, and whether you'll stay or go back, that's up for you uh, to decide. So, the Disney Channel and FX are not back, though. They will be back. I I'm think, just saying. I think first and foremost, someone said, go get those sports channels back on. So some, we'll of our, back. some of my friends have kids that Bluey is the only thing that's important in their lives. And they don't have Bluey back yet. I thought you just went past that. No, 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 no. That was Nickelodeon. Oh. The channel I was on Wait, a minute Bluey's ago. Bluey's not Blue's Clues? No. Oh. It's a, something completely different. Did I like to step on toes there? By yes. Se- really? Wow. Yes. Wow, okay. okay. There are some kids and some parents out there. You. Okay. All right. Blue's Clues All and right. Bluey are two separate things. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for us today. Matt and Michelle tomorrow on the Tuesday show with a number of things in college football to get to, including the news at UCF today with Timmy McLean taking over for the injured John Rice Plumley Again, no surgery, though, for JRP. And Gus said he expects him back when he did not say. It's just kind of a week-by-week evaluation. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Miss any of the program, go to 96thegame.com or get it on demand when you get your favorite podcast and type in The Beat of Sports. Kyle produced Don Mar Daniels. We'll talk to you tomorrow for The Beat of Sports. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.